You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. I, I, this is a two-part message, so when I start talking about the cure, that's when I want you to come up, all right? I, I'm going to need your help right there. Okay, so Freedom Sunday. This, this, is, this is a significant day. Um, and I, I, I love our church because our church is a church that preaches the whole gospel. And part of the whole gospel is that we cast out demons. Now, I, I grew up in, a, in an Anglican church, a religious church, where we were never taught about spiritual warfare. It was never mentioned. And I learnt spiritual warfare myself from reading Frank Peretti books, this Present Darkness and Piercing the Darkness. Do you remember those books? They're amazing. I think I'm going to read them again. And, and something shifted when Tal turned up. Remember Tal? He was the captain of the hosts. And all those no good demons would be up to no good. And then all of a sudden Tal would come down and bam, every, everything shifted. And I learned a little bit of spiritual warfare from Carmen music videos. <laughs> Satan bite the dust where he was a cowboy in the Old West. You know that one, Scotty? The champion, Carmen the champion, right? In the vast expanse of a timeless place where silence ruled the outer space. Ominously towering it stood. The symbol of a spirit war between the one named Lucifer and the morning star, the ultimate of good. Enveloped by a trillion planets, clean as lightning and hard as granite. Yeah, that's all I know. But I learned a little bit about spiritual warfare from from these different aspects in my childhood. But it wasn't until I started attending a spirit-filled church that I really realized the authority that we have as believers, as God's kids, and that's key because you have to be one of God's kids to walk in His authority. To that we had this authority over evil spirits. The Bible tells us in the book of Luke that Jesus has given us, somebody say me, all authority over the power of the enemy. So we're going to be standing in that authority today. So when I was putting this message together, it's, it's always difficult to, to know where to focus. And I believe that I had prepared in my own strength what was probably a shotgun message. I was going to try to address a whole lot of things at once. Um, But I really felt God bring a laser focus to what I'm about to share on today. At the beginning of this year, God spoke to me and said to me, Leanne, this year I want to deliver my children from the spirit of fear. And, And if we look at the world around about us, have we not seen the outcome of a world that has been gripped and enslaved by a spirit of fear. So today, the title of my message, no more than that, my mandate and my assignment is to bring freedom from fear. So we're going to go there today. We're going to laser focus. Because for me, really, this, this spirit is the mother load. It's like the, the fat spider in the web. Okay, it's the one that literally, like Pastor Matt Will, will, or Dr. Matt will, will say, he says, if I align the spine, the rest of the body is going to function in health. I say it's true. When you deal with a spirit of fear, you'll find that a whole lot of other things, peripheral, 
peripheral things will come into alignment. So we're really going to take, take authority over this wicked, wicked spirit today. I want to start with this scripture. Matthew chapter 3, verse 10, it says this. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I believe that that is God's will today for us as it relates to the tree of fear or the root of fear that has been allowed to grow in our spiritual garden. I don't know what your 2019 was like, but I do know this. God wants your 2020 to be greater. And he gave me that word specifically about him wanting to deliver his kids from fear because it has been something that has afflicted so many people. When you look at the fruit of fear, it's not good fruit. Worry, anxiety, terror, torment, insomnia, indecisiveness, panic attacks, depression, insecurity, fits of rage and anger, debilitating phobias, stress, suspicion, sickness, mental illness like bipolar, schizophrenia and obsessive compulsive disorders and the list goes on and on. It's time for us to let the Spirit of God to lay the axe to the root of that tree of fear that is only bearing bad fruit in our lives. And if I'm honest with you, it's been the battle of my lifetime. As a young woman, I remember being in a meeting just like this at a spirit-filled Pentecostal church, and they invited a really incredible great man of God from Africa to minister. He was renowned for deliverance and, and healing and had in, incredible discernment in the things of the Spirit. And he asked all the young people to come up on the stage so he could pray for them. And I was about 14 or 15 at the time. And he was praying for people and just moving past them, quickly laying hands because there were so many of us. And when he came to me, he stopped and he took a second and he said, I bind this spirit of fear that has come down through her family line in the name of Jesus and I break its power. Now, I didn't know that that was going to be the beginning of my journey of facing and confronting my fears. But I want to tell you today, do not be afraid to stand against fear. Fear is not bigger than God and He stands with you and He's gonna bring you through. If we don't deal with fear, and we can, we've been empowered to do it, fear will deal with us and it will rob us in every sphere of our life. And fear looks different on different people. And I would say today that most of us in an area of our lives are dealing with fear in some form. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about the symptoms and I reckon you're going to see yourself in a couple of them. So don't get agitated. Don't get mad at me. It's not, I'm just, don't shoot the messenger, all right? <laughs> just allow the Lord to speak to you. Allow him to come in, like the Bible says, the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching the innermost places of his heart. So what does God do on Freedom Sunday? He brings in his lamp. Let's take care of the shadowy places. Let Let's get rid of the spider webs. Let's lay an axe finally to the root of that tree that has borne so much bad fruit in your life. Can somebody say amen? Amen, amen. So if I were to talk to most people in most spheres around the world, particularly the Western world, by and large, the biggest issues that I'm going to hear that people are facing today are anxiety and depression. They are an epidemic 
which means that God has something to say about it because he cares about his kids. And if we're good stewards and good shepherds, and we are at Awaken Church, we're going to talk about the issues that are really, really troubling people and help bring healing and breakthrough in the name of Jesus. So we're going to, we're going to go through these symptoms, and I want you to just kind of maybe make a little internal checklist about the things that you may be struggling with so you're better able to confront them and then release them to God and receive freedom today. Amen. So the first one is this. Fear will tell you to expect bad things to happen to you. I had to face the fact that I would dread things. I wouldn't necessarily wake up expecting good things to happen, unlike my husband. My husband would burst through the door at the end of most days saying, you will never guess what happened to me. And what would go on next would be just this list of incredible favour. Like everything looked like it was going to go downhill, but then, you know, God's favour came through. But, But on the flip side, I would be the kind of person where I would not look to the future with a smile like the Proverbs 31 woman. I'd look to the future with a bit of a frown and a bit of a worry. And, you know, it could be as anything as simple of, as I'm going on a flight to Australia. Oh, and I bet they're going to put me up the back near the toilets. <laughs> I bet I'm going to be sat next to that really fat person. I'm not going to be able to sleep the whole night and their, their fat roll is going to bulge over into my seat. Like I would think all the negative thoughts and quite often they would end up becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. And it wasn't until I listened to a message from Joyce Meyer called Thou Shalt Not Dread that I realised I had a problem with fear and expecting bad things to happen. And I had to own it. And I had to deal with it because that's not the signature of God. The signature of God is not bad things happening to his kids. Yes, hardship will come, but the signature of God isn't hardship. The signature of God is faithfulness. The Bible says in the Psalms, uh, the Lord our God is a sun, a shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. He doesn't bestow hardship and suffering. He bestows favour and honour. Goes on to say, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. How many people here have the righteousness of Christ today because they accepted Jesus? Then you're an upright person, so you can expect God's favour and his honour. But fear tells you to expect bad things to happen. Remember, I had a lump on my neck, and it was quite puzzling and perplexing. I went to the doctor, and they didn't really know what it was, and they sent me for all kinds of tests. And and unfortunately, because I had this bent towards expecting bad things to happen, I went home and I Googled. (laughs) And by the end of my fear-inducing, anxiety-triggering 30-minute Google session, I was convinced I had cancer. And my husband was off surfing. I remember sitting in the shower and it's amazing how fear will create a scenario in your head that is not real, but you can convince yourself that it's going to be your reality. And I was sitting in the shower and all of a sudden I was imagining myself sick in hospital. The next thing I see is myself dead in a coffin. And then the next scene, my husband is remarried. And then I start to get mad. And then he comes home from his surf and he's like, hey, babe, how are you? And I'm like, you, if I die, 
and you get remarried, I'm going to come back and I'm going to haunt you so bad. Haunt the hell out of you. And I had created this scenario in my mind because instead of going to faith, I went to fear. I wonder how many of us do that and we are sabotaging our relationships and behaving like a bit of a psycho. God wants to set us free today. Fear tells you to expect bad to think things to happen, but faith says God is on my side, and if God be for me, who can be against me? So first thing that fear does, remember we're still in the symptom, symptom stage here, right here. Second thing fear does is it has you surrendering to things that God wants you to have victory over. Okay, so in the story of Israel where they're having to come against the Philistines, now we know the Bible tells us that, that God had promised the land to the Israelites. It was theirs. It had been prophesied to Abraham and that prophecy had been carried through. And yet here these Israelites stood before Goliath and immediately the Bible says, when they heard the words of the giant, they were afraid and greatly dismayed. Saul and all Israel. Fear has you throw out the promises of God and lose your God consciousness and instead bow your knee to whatever enemy is trying to intimidate you. When, when my son went through a seven-year battle with addiction, I had to be very careful what stories I allowed myself to rehearse. Very, very careful. Now, when King David, or he was just David the shepherd boy at that time, turned up to Israel and he saw all of, Philist all of Israel afraid because of the Philistine, I love it because he said this, he said, the God who delivered me from the poor of the, the lion and the bear will deliver us from this uncircumcised Philistine. He'd been rehearsing the right stories. See, fear will have you Googling the sad stories, the sob stories, the stories of suffering and defeat, but instead we need to do what Philippians tells us and whatever is good, whatever is noble, whatever is of a good report, whatever is virtuous, think on these things. Whatever is praiseworthy, think on these things. So it means that you're going to have to really focus in times when the enemy tries to attack you with fear by focusing on stories of faith and victory. So when my son was caught in addiction, I refused to read stories about people who died from overdoses. And some people may say, well, that's just burying your head in the sand. I didn't care. I, my eyes wanted to be on the faithful of the land because I've realised what you rehearse, you replay. And so I read stories about people that, that received freedom from their addiction. They may have been bound in addiction for, for decades, but through God, they had victory and they came through and I was determined, I'm going to feed myself on the stories of victory and not defeat. But fear will have you surrendering to things that God wants you to have victory over. Oh, I'm just going to live with this health issue. I'm just going to live with my anxiety. I'm just going to live with this abuse. Come on, America. An overcomer lives on the inside of you. Stop settling under things that God has given you authority over. Don't let fear stop you anymore from taking victory over the things in your life that are not acceptable. Point number three. Now, it's going to get a little bit spicy. Fear leads you to control situations. Now, I heard it described like this. 
Control is, is purely just fear dressed up in a tuxedo. So, so control looks from the outside a little bit tidier, but it's not at all. So we see that, you know, the, the woman who is, who is afraid that her husband is going to have an affair is controlling and smothering and she's always reading his text messages and he never can have any privacy and she's stalking him around town and she's suspicious every time he has a conversation with another. Quite often, these situations end up becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy because her smothering drives that poor man away. Control is something we do not because we feel empowered but because we feel afraid. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, so therefore I'm going to try to control everything around me so I don't have to feel any pain. The man who talks a big game, the man who walks around the office piping off about how epic beast mode hashtag (laughs) awesome he is, it's not his ego, he's afraid. He's afraid he won't release people. He won't talk about other people's achievements because he's, he's too, too afraid of being replaced. He's, he's too afraid of not being seen as the big man on campus. So he's going to control. He's going to squash others. He's not going to release other people into their destinies. He's not going to reproduce what God has given him to reproduce in others because he has to control every environment because he's number one. I said it. They... <laughs> Manipulate people and they squash people and they have to use the tools of the enemy. They got the tool bag of the enemy in order to accomplish things because they don't trust God. They can't trust God with their future. They can't trust God with their career. They can't trust God with their family. They can't trust God with their relationships. So they move to manipulation, they move to control and they sour every environment they're in because of their fear. See, mothers, mothers are famous for this, famous, especially right now. We've traded one set of fears for the other. We, we traded a whole lot of different things. So before we were, you know, we're, we're afraid of, of, um, of breastfeeding. So now we're going to have, now we're going to give all the kids formula. Now, if you give your kids formula and you're not breastfeeding, you're the worst mother in the world and your kids are going to die. It's like we've just gone from one end of the spectrum to the other. I'm not going to let my kids play with plastic toys in case they get plastic poisoning. I don't even know if that's a thing. However, we have a generation of young mothers who have got their husbands whittling toys out of wood Lest there, it's a hipster thing, I guess, but it's fear, it's control. And you miss out on the celebration of life. And worse than that, you pass it on to your children. That helicopter, and they can't have a sleepover at other people's houses. And of course, we've got to have wisdom. We can't be foolish and reckless with those kinds of things. But, but when it becomes an idol... When it robs your children of life and enjoyment and expression and they can't go out, they have to stay indoors and everybody else is having fun, but they can't because mummy's afraid, that's when the Lord needs to deliver. You need to say, Lord, I repent from thinking it was all on me that I had to hold my life together. I know my life and my children's life is in your hands. And here's the truth. You cannot stop life from happening. And you, and you will torment yourself trying. 
You will torment yourself trying to control life. Sometimes life is brutal and it sucks. But here's what the Bible says. It says this. It says in Jeremiah 17, 5 to 6, this is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans. In other words, your own strength. Who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. You see what's happening here? This person is putting their trust in their own strength, their own ability to make things happen. They're controlling environments. And then it goes on to say, they are stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited, salty land where nothing grows. You can't control life or people. And if you try to, you damage them. And you train your children to live the same way and then the cycle continues. So someone has to stand up and that someone is us and say, I break this cycle in my generation. I will not bow my knee to fear anymore and I will not use the devil's tool of control in order to try and make my life safe. It's an illusion. You've got to trust in the Lord. The Bible says, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Father, I thank you that you're for me. Father, I thank you that you love my kids even more than, you, than I love my kids. Father, I thank you that, that my, my marriage relationship is blessed. I do not need to be suspicious. I do not need to be controlling. I trust you, Lord. I trust you. I pick, put control down today. Somebody say amen. amen. Point number four, fear causes you to shrink back. Fear brings intimidation. When you don't confront the spirit of fear, you live intimidated. And this was my story. I was so afraid of being rejected by people that I just didn't, I didn't step out at all. Intimidation grabbed me because I was controlled by a spirit of fear. But thank God, because I've confronted it, I've become a woman of great faith. In Matthew chapter 25, 24 to 25, we see the story of the parable of the talents. And the last man that the Bible references is so telling because I believe that this is a classic scene that is replayed around the world in churches and Christians' lives every day. It says, then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, somebody say afraid, Afraid. and went out and hid, somebody say hid, your gold in the ground. See here is what belongs to to you. So not only does this man have a distorted view of who God is, his fear leads him to shrink back when he was called to move forward. His fear caused him to bury what God had asked him to multiply. And each of us have gifts that God has called us to steward well and to multiply. But if we bow our knee to a spirit of fear, we're going to bury that thing. And oftentimes this comes from a distorted image of who God is. I mean, I knew you to be a hard man. What? God is not hard. God's not harsh. He's loving. He's tender. He's compassionate. He's kind. And it goes on to say, I knew you to be one who harvested from places that you have not sown. Lie. 
Lie, lie, lie. God is always sowing. God is always bringing. God is always nurturing. God is always resourcing. God is not expecting a harvest from anything that he has not first sown seed. So this man has a completely skewed view. But this fear confines you to living within a comfort zone and it hinders you from breaking out. Fear will keep you contained in what makes you comfortable. I remember the first time my husband asked me to preach, oh dear God. <laughs> because I was so afraid of being rejected and, and, and looking vulnerable or slightly foolish or not perfect, I had reduced my life down to everything that made me comfortable, which wasn't a big sphere. And my husband said to me, Leanne, I want you to preach at our youth conference. I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. He's like, you're doing it. You're doing it. And, and I was actually scared enough of him and obedient enough to go, all right, okay, I'm going okay, I'm to do it. I'm going to do it. And I remember the night before we were lying in bed and I was so gripped with fear and intimidation. I'm going to have to stand up in a, in a group of like a thousand people and share a message. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. And I literally started to manifest a spirit of fear through a panic attack in bed. And my husband just grabbed me and he started to pray in tongues. You know what I did? I bit him on the arm really hard, really hard. I was seriously manifesting. And he just, I mean, it must have hurt, but he just started laughing and he kept going. <laughs> and you know what? I felt peace come. And I got up the next morning and I delivered the word and I preached my face off. It was the message of the conference. But fear, because it's a deceiver, and all the devil has is a lie, by the way. That's, the Bible says he's the father of lies. We'll try to convince you to stay in your comfort zone. I wonder how many opportunities fear has robbed from you. I wonder socially how many friendships, how many relationships you don't have because you've bowed your knee to fear. It's had you shrink back instead of stepping forward. I mean, I have a plethora of stories because as I said, this was the battle of my lifetime. I remember moving to Oxford Falls, C3 Oxford Falls, many, many years ago, close to 20 years ago now. And, and I was this intimidated, shy, and, and not, not for, not like it was warranted. I'd suffered terrible abuse and trauma at the hands of leadership in church. And so I'd shrunk down. I was withered. And so I was living out of this hurt and living out of this pain and now very afraid of being rejected and mistreated again. And my husband had gotten sick. We were invited to, to a meeting that all the pastors and leaders would be at, probably a group of about 50 people. And Jürgen said, I can't go. I'm going to stay in bed, but I want you to go. And again, my obedience makes me do things that my, you know, sometimes fear would, if I was a rebellious woman, I would have stayed home. But thankfully, I was fearful, but I was obedient. So I went anyway. But you know what I did? I sat in the car during the social time because I was so afraid that nobody would talk to me. And I couldn't bear the thought of that sting of rejection again. So I could see everybody because they, they were in a building called the Fishbowl that was surrounded by glass windows. And I could see them all talking and laughing and having fun. And I was sitting in the car just watching and waiting till everybody took their seats and I wouldn't have to be vulnerable. What robbery. What theft. Isn't it the truth 
The Bible tells us in John 10, 10, the thief has come to uh, steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. And this spirit of fear was robbing from me. And it wasn't much later that I went home and in my own quiet time with God, I felt the Lord so strongly say to me, Leanne, how long are you going to let your fear and insecurity rob from the call of God that's on your life? Fear will have a shrink back when God has divinely destined you to go forward and take ground. You're a ground taker. You're a multiplier. You're an increaser. You're an influencer. Don't let fear rob from you anymore. It robbed from me for far too long. You can break the cycle. How are you going out there? <laughs> the fifth thing, and this isn't the final thing, but these are the, the five or six things that you know, I really believe that God wants us to address as it relates to really bringing this idol of fear down. Fear has you doubting that God loves you. It has you doubting that God loves you. God showed me through a certain series of events in my own life that fear is actually that I didn't have a proper revelation of how loved I was. And the truth is that I knew me. I knew I was like the woman in the little nursery rhyme. When she was good, she was very, very good. But when she was bad, she was horrid. So I thought God would love me when I was very, very good, but he would hate me when I was horrid or at least not like me or be angry with me. And I had a misrepresentation of who God actually was. And so I didn't understand that his love for me was unconditional because it's so foreign to us because humans don't love us unconditionally. How could they possibly? But God says, I do. In fact, the Bible tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God not angels or demons, not height, not depth, not things in the future or things in the past. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. And I went through a situation where I had a bit of a personal trauma. I went through a scenario, a fiery trial. And I remember lying in bed, feeling so afraid and so anxious and trembling and ashamed to say anything, even to my husband, because I was embarrassed that I was afraid and anxious. And my beautiful husband, who I thank God for, he's never, he's never given me a pass. He's always pushed me toward God. And I tell you, girls, if you're here today and you're looking for a man, find somebody who loves God even more than they love you, and they will love you right. And yeah, that's just a little, a little piece of advice for all the single ladies. But I remember lying in bed and, and being afraid to whisper. I, I was embarrassed. I was vulnerable. And my beautiful husband just put his hand on me. And he didn't know I never said anything because, again, I was ashamed. I was ashamed at how I felt because I viewed God through the lens of punishment. I view God through the lens of religion because I grew up in a church that whether rightly or wrongly, as a young girl, I interpreted that God loved me when I was good, but he didn't love me when I was bad. And that if I, was being, if I went through a trial, it was God punishing me, and punishing me, and what had I done wrong? So I'm lying here troubled and anxious, and of course, anxiety leads to insomnia. And my husband just reached over, and he put his hand on me, knowing nothing about what I was feeling on the inside, the turmoil, but just said, Leanne, God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. And it was the balm that my spirit needed to hear. The Bible tells us in the book of John, it says this. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. 
And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. And I realized I had to come face to face with what was happening on the inside of me. I had not been made perfect in love. There were parts of my life where I'd not let the love of the Lord truly penetrate and hit. And as I laid there and I let my husband speak those words over me, I made a vow. I am not going to let the devil rob me in my thought life anymore. I'm not going to believe his lies anymore. And instead, I got a scripture and I started to speak scripture over myself until I believed that God loved me with a perfect love so I could drive out every fear that was tormenting me. And I found this scripture in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. It says, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty saviour. Look at me for a second. He is a saviour, not a punisher. He's not harsh. He's not unloving. He's not uncaring. He's a saviour. He saves you. He will take delight in you with gladness. I grew up thinking God was mad most of the time. I really did. I grew up thinking that he was punitive and arbitrary and was looking for reasons to zot his people with a lightning bolt or hit them with a plague or hit them with locusts or hit them with boils. (laughs) With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. And maybe today you're like me and you grew up in a church culture where you were taught that God was angry with you and you were a worm and that God was mad and he was looking for ways to punish you when you did the wrong thing. I want to just dispel that myth today. God is not angry with you. God is not mad. Any wrath he had against the sin that enslaved you was born by his son on the cross. The Bible says it is finished. You can understand today that you are loved with a perfect love. Some of you need to tell God less that you love him and instead say more, God, I know you love me. God, I thank you that you love me. God, I thank you that you love me. I want to tell God that I love him, yes, but do you know that he loves you? He loves you. Finally, the cure. That's the cue for the band. You've got to confront your fears. You've got to face them. You've got to own them. It's not sin and it's not a lack of faith to say, I am afraid. I am afraid that something's going to happen to my kids. I'm afraid that if I, if I let go of control that this is going to happen or that's going to happen or my husband will leave me or my kids will backslide or let it go. Confront it. Tell the Lord, this is my fear. When you acknowledge it, when you actually give it a name, you can deal with it. A lot of us try to hide, we try to pretend, we put on the bravado and we turn up to church and on the inside we're in turmoil and we're in torment. But God wants to set us free. You've got to get real. We're not the kind of performance church where you have to turn up and have all your ish together. Nobody does. None of us do. We've all blown it. We all have fears. If we were to stand here today and compare fears, I reckon they'd probably all be the same. But we don't want to stay there. We want to give them to Jesus. We want to leave them at the cross and say, Lord, I will fear no evil for you are with me. I'm ready to let go of the slavery of fear and pick up God's perfect love today. You've got to confront them. You've got to be honest with God. Fear will convince you that you're alone, but it's just not the truth. 
I mean, David was an exemplary example of how to walk through and face fears and not let them overshadow you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. How many of you are fearing evil today? But David said, I will not fear evil. Why? Because you are with me. See God with you in the midst of your greatest fear and see that He is bigger, He is stronger and He is well able to bring you through. You do not need to be afraid. You do not need to be afraid. God is with you. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. For me, I was afraid of being rejected. So I had to do some things to confront that. I had to put myself in situations where that fear would be triggered and allow God to carry me. And I can't tell you that that I walked into rooms after that point and I never experienced rejection. I did because people are still jerks sometimes. Sometimes people don't change, it's us who changes. Even just recently, and I thank God that I put to death that spirit of fear in my life. I was at a, a women's conference and someone in leadership at the conference said, you know, everybody really, really enjoyed the other speaker. Now the old Leanne would have been crippled and withered with rejection. I mean, I gotta tell you, it hurt for a minute, the callousness of people. But then I stopped and I said, no, Lord, I know that you're here, minister to me, minister to me. And I felt the Lord say, Leanne, you fulfilled your assignment. You did what I asked you to do. We're waiting for people to change. We need to change. Walk into that room. The fact that you've been accepted by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He has adopted you and whether other people get it or don't get it is on them. But Jesus is with you and you can face any fear that you may have with Him and come through strong. Then you've got to stand up in your authority in Christ and that's what we're doing here today. We're not trying to win, you guys. We have already won. Jesus has already purchased our victory. We are literally just reminding the devil that we are victors and he is a loser. And the Bible tells us in the book of Luke, he has given us all authority over the power of the enemy. So what area has fear been rubbing from you where you need to stand up in your authority as a Christian, as a child of God, as a son or daughter of God and say, fear back off. I will not let you have one square inch of territory of terra firma in my life again. My life belongs to God. I reject fear in Jesus' Name. We're gonna take our authority. Then we're gonna evict the wrong spirit and receive the right spirit. Nick referenced it today. What is this weekend about? It's a weekend of exchange. We exchange an ill spirit or a wrong spirit or a evil spirit with God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. What does the Bible say? God has not given you a spirit, a demon of fear, but He has given you a spirit of power. What does fear try to rob? Your power, love. What what does fear sabotage? Love, love relationships and a sound mind. And we're seeing it all over. People's mental health completely compromised because they've allowed fear to have a place in their heart where a soundness of mind has been the gift that God has given you. Reject every counterfeit. Reject everything else that the enemy tries to tell you is your portion. For God has not given me a spirit of fear. I reject a spirit of fear and I receive today a spirit of power. I am empowered. I am not helpless or hopeless. 
I'm not suspicious. I have a spirit of love. I do not need to control. I can trust the Lord and a sound mind. I am anxious for nothing. Amen, Leanne. And then finally, we have to meditate on the Word of God. After you've told that demon to leave, and it will, and it has to, it has to obey the authority of Christ that you stand in. Now listen, getting rid of a demon is actually the easy part. That's not so hard. Staying free happens though when we meditate on the Word. So many people get afflicted again because they get set free and they get delivered, but then they don't fill themselves up with the Word. What does the Bible say in John chapter 10? It says, My sheep know the sound of my voice and a stranger's voice they will not follow. A lot of Christians are following the stranger's voice because they aren't acquainted with the voice of their shepherd. And you want freedom, but you don't want to read your Bible. Well, it's going to suck to be you because this is where your life is going to change. When you pick this up, oh, but I'm tired. Oh, but it means I just don't have time. Yes, you do. Stop it. That's an excuse. Get up 10 minutes earlier and read what you can. Put Bible on on. Well, tape. Uh, we don't have tapes anymore. Audio. Ah, I'm so 19. I'm such a boomer. Okay, boomer. Listen, put Bible on audio. Get the audio Bible in your car. Get the Word in you. Get some great preachers who stand in their authority. Not, a, not any of these preachers with, with swelling words of emptiness that just make you lull. That's one thing. But get some power preachers in your CD stacker in your audio thing. Get it in there. Get faith in you. Get faith in you. Get faith in you. Get faith in you. You want to not live with a spirit of fear? Then you have to receive a spirit of faith. You have to stand up and say, God, I want your word. I don't want a counterfeit. I don't want the lie. I don't want to believe a lie. I don't want to bow my knee to fear anymore. I don't want to control people. I don't want my life to be small. I don't want to be shrunk down and ineffective and not multiply listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.